Hello, and welcome to the Dr. Jocker's Functional Nutrition Podcast, the show designed to give you science-based solutions to improve your health and life. I'm Dr. David Jockers, doctor of natural medicine, chiropractor, and functional nutrition practitioner, and I'm the host of this podcast. I'm here to tell you that your body was created to heal itself. And on this show, we focus on strategies you can apply today to heal and function at your best. I'm excited about today's podcast, but before we jump in, I wanted to remind you to download this month's special gift at drjockersgift.com. From keto meal plans, smoothie recipes, to fasting quick start guides, we have a new complimentary gift every single month. To get your gift, simply visit drjockersgift.com. That's D-R-J-O-C-K-E-R-S-G-I-F-T.com. Thanks for spending time with me, and let's go into the show. Everybody needs electrolytes, especially if you're following a low-carb ketogenic diet, if you're doing intermittent fasting, or if you're performing high-intensity exercise and you're sweating a lot. Electrolytes are critical for all the nerve function in your body, for producing energy. And if you don't have electrolytes, you're going to feel fatigued. You're going to have brain fog. You're just not going to feel good. In fact, a lot of people that are doing a low-carb diet end up with a condition called keto flu. And that's because they're not getting the electrolytes they need. This is why I love the company Element. Element is a tasty electrolyte drink mix with everything you need and nothing you don't. That means lots of salt with no sugar. Element is formulated to help anyone with their electrolyte needs, and it's perfectly suited for folks following a keto, low-carb, or paleo diet, or for high-level athletes. In fact, Element actually provides their electrolytes for U.S. Olympic teams, as well as many different professional athletes in the NFL, as well as the NBA. Element contains a science-backed electrolyte ratio. That means 1,000 milligrams of sodium, 200 milligrams of potassium and 60 milligrams of magnesium with none of the junk, no sugar, no coloring, no artificial ingredients, no gluten, no fillers, no BS. You know, the average sports drink out there, the popular sports drinks, they have about 260 milligrams of sodium, 65 milligrams of potassium, no magnesium, and 29 grams of sugar per serving. That is a lot of sugar and not a lot of electrolytes. Again, Element has 1,000 milligrams of sodium, which is critical because when you're on a low-carb diet, your insulin levels go down. And when insulin goes down, you excrete sodium. You need more sodium to maintain your energy levels, and to really feel and function at your best. You also need potassium, and that's why it has 200 milligrams of potassium and 60 milligrams of magnesium. Magnesium's critical, and most sports drinks don't even have magnesium. They certainly don't have enough potassium. Now, as a member of our community, Element has a very special offer for you. You can claim your free Element sample pack. So you get it for free. You only cover the cost of shipping, which is basically $5 in the United States. You can get this at drinkelement.com forward slash drjockers. That's drinkelement, which is lmnt.com forward slash drjockers. Each sample pack includes different flavors like citrus, raspberry, watermelon, orange, and they're flavored with stevia. They also have an unflavored, so they're flavored with stevia, which is not going to impact your blood sugar, and I just really enjoy the element. It's really, really refreshing. If you're looking for refreshment, for energy, for high-performance fuel, then try this out It's got all the essential electrolytes with no sugar, no coloring, no artificial ingredients, or any other junk. So again, try it out. Drinkelement.com forward slash drjockers, and you get your free sample pack of seven packets, and you only cover the cost of shipping. So try that out today. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. Really excited about today's topic. We are going to be talking about nutrient timing to overcome menopause symptoms. I mean, so many of you guys 
are dealing with issues as you go through this, this stage of perimenopause into menopause. You know, and then there's younger women there as well that are listening that are dealing with issues with your menstrual cycle. We're going to talk about all of that. We're going to talk about the best foods, fasting strategies, nutrient timing, how to use diet variation and other advanced strategies to help optimize your hormones so you can have a great cycle and, and really feel great throughout your whole monthly schedule. So you don't have that one week where you have headaches and uh, you need to lay in bed. Or, you know, as you're going through perimenopause and into menopause, your days aren't blasted by hot flashes. You're not, you're not being kept up all night with these unwanted symptoms. And so we have got a great expert. This is Dr. Mindy Pels, and she has got a great podcast as well that you guys should check out, The Resetter Podcast. She's called The Reset Doc, and she's the author of a great book, The Menopause Reset, that if you're watching on video, I've got right here. Really small book, easy read, but a lot of great tips. And we're going to go through that in this interview. And she also has a couple other books, The Reset Factor and The Reset Kitchen. And you can find her at drmindypels.com. So Dr. Mindy, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you for having me. I, I'm a huge fan. I love what you're doing in the world. So I'm excited for this conversation. Awesome. Well, thanks so much. Yeah, we were just catching up that we have a very similar past involved in a lot of the same organizations. Uh, she has her original training in chiropractic, just like I do. And uh, Dr. Pompa, who's been a guest on this podcast, was a mentor for both of us. Yep. And so, yeah, a lot, a lot of similarities. We also have a mutual friend in, in uh, Ben Azadi, who's been on this podcast as well. So. Yeah. His Keto Flex idea is amazing yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we talked about his book, Keto Flex. In fact, when I bought your book, I actually bought his and yours together, right? So awesome. I got that, the combo. Beautiful. Yeah. yeah. And so let's talk about your story. You know, in your book, you talk about as you went through this transition into menopause, what was happening. And so I think our audience would really get a lot out of that. Yeah. You know, it's such an interesting story because I, I was raised by a health food nut mom and I've been in the health world for, you know, forever. And when I hit 40, I truly thought that health was fitting into my skinny jeans, feeling good, a number on the scale. And, you know, how I achieved that was through working out a lot, eating six meals a day. I thought I was definitely on that path of the more you eat, the faster your metabolism would be. And so at 40, I felt great. And by 43, I was not great. I had hot flashes so bad at night. Uh, I couldn't sleep. I was anxious and depressed, even felt suicidal. Like I felt like somebody had hijacked my brain and all my old tricks weren't working. And I tried exercising more. I tried eating less. I tried, you know, paleo, like everything I could do to get my hormones back on track, but it just kept getting worse. So that's when I went looking for answers. And originally, this is kind of the interesting part of the story is it got so bad that I was like, I'll take a pill. Like, And I'm like a purist. I'm like, mm. tip, I haven't taken medication in like 30 years, but it was bad enough that I'm like, I'm, I need a pill at this point. So I went to a friend who was an OB and I asked her, I was like, what should I do? This is really bad. And she said, Mindy, my medical textbooks have failed me. I literally have a practice full of women like you, and I have no idea what to do. And that really launched me into discovering five key things that needed to change in my lifestyle when I hit 40 that I didn't do. And I started to put my own health back with lifestyle tools, which is really what we all should do, right? We should start yeah. with lifestyle and then from there build. And so that's what I did. And I'm 51 and you know, my symptoms are gone. And, you know, by 47, my cycle was more regular. It was like, mm. I, I would look like I was going into menopause and then I came out of menopause and I've really used lifestyle to, to navigate this time. Wow. Praise God. Well, what a great story there. And so many women have gone through that as well, where they feel like they're healthy, you know, then all of a sudden they hit a wall as they get into their forties. I hear that all the time. And so what's happening there? What's happening with the hormone changes that take place during perimenopause? Yeah, it's such a good question. And so many women, including myself, don't know when you hit 40, there's going to be a dramatic shift in how your body functions. Mm. And prior to my menopause experience, I pretty much thought it was, menopause was like, 
a switch you turned on and off. Like one day you were, you had your cycle, the next day you did it. And I couldn't have been further from the truth. So at 40, your ovaries start making a slow and steady decline. And that takes about 10 to 15 years where they stop making, you know, depending on how many eggs you have, they stop making the sex hormones. They don't make as much estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone. But your body still needs those sex hormones. You're not going to get it as much at 55 as you did at 35. So it hands over the job of making sex hormones to another organ. And the organ that it hands it over to are the adrenals. Hmm. Well, if we were to like go and look at every 42, 43-year-old woman, you know, most of them have kids that they're raising that are still young. A lot of them have careers. They're, they're balancing family and work. A lot of them, and I'm sure you see this, are chronic exercisers. So they're running marathons and there is just an overabundance of stress on their body. So when this handoff takes place, the body's ill-equipped and all of a sudden now those hormones become lower than they need to be. Mm, yeah, for sure. And people start noticing these symptoms and, you know, estrogen, progesterone, obviously are the main hormones. There's a lot of talk about estrogen dominance, right? But both of the hormones are going down. Is progesterone going down more for many people than estrogen? Yeah. Yeah. So if you look at the perimenopause and the reason I called it the menopause reset is because the yeah. funny thing about menopause is we've got peri, we have the middle and we have post. Right. So I look at menopause as just this experience as your ovaries start to decline. But in the beginning years of the ovaries handing over the job to the adrenals with estrogen, you actually have moments where estrogen's really high and then mm. estrogen's really low. So it's a very, there are several years where it's going up and down. So you feel normal, you might feel too much estrogen, then all of a sudden you feel not enough. So that's, that's sort of the original place that estrogen goes. But progesterone at 40 starts to just decline. And this is the challenge is that progesterone keeps estrogen in check. So if progesterone goes away, now you got yourself a problem because estrogen can get more out of control. Sometimes yeah. it's high, sometimes it's low. I will tell you the surprising thing that I've seen. We've run thousands of hormone tests on women uh, over 40. Very few of them have too much estrogen. They have the mm. wrong estrogens, but most of them don't right. have enough estrogen. Right, right, right. And you're using a Dutch test, right? The yeah, dried urine yeah. test? Yeah. Yeah. Love and that so test. you're looking at the three different components of estrogen. And so, yeah, like you said, very few people are having too much estrogen, but there are certain subunits of estrogen that promote more growth than others, right? So yeah. they're kind of amplify what's happening with estrogen more than others, but the overall quantity is, is typically you know, within line, if not low. Right. Like I have a vision. Every woman over 40 gets one every year. You know, we've yeah. been very focused on mammograms and other tests, mm. but that'll tell you when disease has hit. How about we start to show women when disease is building and th yeah. the Dutch test does that. So estrogen is so fascinating because you could walk into your OB's office on any random day and they could take a blood sample and read your hormones. But most of the time you will not get a clear idea of what types of estrogen you are low in. And to your point, you have protective estrogens and you have harmful estrogens. So the, the crazy thing about hormones is it's the balance. You know, it's like a yeah. moving target. We don't just say, oh, it should be this. And if it's not this, you're off. We say, okay, here's what it should be at, at certain times of the month. And here's what those should break down into. And that's why I like the Dutch test because it'll show you what it's breaking down into. And honestly, I think we would prevent breast cancer, ovarian mm -hmm. cancer if if women knew what their estrogen was breaking into. Yeah, because you could see a lot of trends. Things are trending in a certain direction. And you're looking at physiology there. So a mammogram uh, is looking at structure. It's looking at anatomy, basically. Uh, but it's actually looking at the active physiology that's taking place. And so when you're able to have whether it's a mammogram or a therm thermogram, which is you know something that we prefer, it's less invasive, mm -hmm. uh, thermography, and then also be able to couple that with the physiology. That's you know very very helpful. And yeah, so let's huge. let's move into nutrition. How how does nutrition impact this sort of estrogen progesterone balance? 
Yeah. Well, so what was interesting for me when I went into my 40s was I was paleo. So I was sort of watching keto from the edge, but I was more like paleo, which meant eat a lot of protein and the paleo I did. Like take Mm -hmm. the carbs out, but eat a ton of protein. Mm -hmm. So I was doing that a little too much. What I found is that I actually responded differently to my foods at different times of my cycle. And this is another thing that I do not understand why we're not teaching women. I I again had to put it together in my own journey. But when you are trying to make estrogen, which is the beginning part of your menstrual cycle, paleo, keto, all those those low-carb, carnivore, all those low-carb types of diets will do very, very well. Estrogen mm-hmm. wants you to be insulin sensitive. The yeah. reason we have PCOS so high, infertility, so many hormonal challenges is because of insulin resistance. So that, that front half of your cycle when you're making estrogen you're going to be great. Like if you are doing keto, if you are Mm -hmm. fasting. And so I had to figure that piece out, but the back half of the site of your cycle, especially the week before your period, you're Mm. making progesterone. Progesterone does not want any stressors. Progesterone doesn't want you doing keto. Progesterone wants you leaning into things like squashes and potatoes and tropical fruits, citrus fruits, beans, These are not keto foods, which is why we have to start to learn how to go in and Mm. out of when to use it as a tool and when not to use it. And for me, when I found fasting, I just started fasting all the time (laughs) until (laughs) I, until I realized that I was making progesterone really, really bad. So I had to come in with more of a cycle syncing and figure out how to go in and out of keto, in and out of fasting. Yeah, because there's really an art to it. And I think that's I think that's really one of the big mistakes that people make in the nutrition world is they hear about all the great benefits of something and then it's like all or none. It's yeah. like you're either keto or you're not, right? And if you do so something true. that knocks you out of ketosis, that's yeah. like, you know, an unforgivable sin. That's a terrible yeah. thing. Right. And it, you're either intermittent fasting every day or you're not, right? Yeah. You know, I think so as we're really defining this, as we're evolving in our understanding of this, and you're obviously one of the leaders in that, we're realizing, hey, that's not true. This is a great, these are great tools, but we have to really understand when to use it, when not to, you know, and just, it's kind of crafting the art of it. And so yeah. let's talk about like in a typical 28 day cycle, you know, and, and you can give kind of bullet points of what that looks like when we should be timing out maybe low carb keto kind of style dieting fasting, and then when we need to start implementing more of these higher carb foods or feasting and applying some of those principles. Yeah, it's such a great conversation. And I feel like, I don't know if you're having this experience, the more I talk about women's hormones and how to time their lifestyle to the hormones that come and go, women are like, oh my God, that makes so much sense. Why was I not taught this at 13? And, you know, it's really, it's a massively missing conversation in Mm. women's health. So I came up with something, what I call the fasting circle. And I'm actually just put it in another book that we're, we'll see when that one comes out, but it's Mm -hmm. finished and I'm teaching the principle in my academy. And the idea is that you look at the different days of your monthly cycle, you look at the hormones that are being produced, you look at the organs that are producing them, and then you adapt your eating and your fasting to it. Mm. You can even adapt your exercise to it. And it looks something like this. So on day one through day 10, you are trying to make estrogen. That is bottom line, your body's building estrogen up. Now, what's really interesting is that hormones pulse. They're not like they turn on and turn off, like they pulse. And as you get closer to day 10, they pulse even more. So you're building estrogen and you need your brain to be healthy. You need the hypothalamus, the pituitary to be healthy, and you need to be insulin sensitive. So in that time, go keto, do your three-day water fast, stimulate autophagy so you can clean out the hypothalamus Mm. and the pituitary, but focus on insulin sensitivity. Then as you move into day 11-ish- Now, day day one is the first day of menstruation. So basically like right when you start menstruating. You know, there might be some men that are listening that are not familiar with that. I know before I got into, uh, you know, into this stuff in depth, I was like, what, what is a 28 day cycle? Right. Uh, (laughs) So day one is the first day of menstruation. So right when you start menstruating, you're saying go low carb, 
you know, yeah. intermittent fasting, maybe even an extended or partial fast in that period of time. That's yeah. a really good idea. And you know, what's really weird is if you talk to a lot of women, they'll say, oh my God, that makes so much sense. I actually don't want to eat once my period starts. Mm. It's like yeah. when you go back to the Do intelligence it. of the body, it's already been giving you clues your whole life. You just have, have been taught by society to do something different. So yeah, so that's the beginning part. Then here's what's interesting, ovulation. And I actually now I'm calling it the manifestation phase because literally from about day 11 to day 15, you have all your hormones surging. You have estrogen mm. at its peak. You have testosterone as, at its peak and a little bit of progesterone. So estrogen makes us articulate. It keeps our hair full and our skin shiny. Um, it's a precursor to serotonin. So it makes us feel really good. Testosterone is our motivation and our libido. Um, so you got all these coming together in this strange little four day period. So I always say, use those, like, let's figure out how to use them. Now, here's what's interesting. Just because you make a hormone doesn't mean you're going to break that hormone down and you're mm. going to use it. So in this ovulation window or what I call manifestation phase, you can start to lean into more uh, like foods that will support your gut. You have a whole set of bacteria in your gut that will break estrogen down. So more fiber, fibrous foods, polyphenol, prebiotic foods are phenomenal there. You can still stay keto. Fine. Mm -hmm. I don't recommend women go longer than intermittent fasting in this little phase. Yeah. Uh, I, I wouldn't throw a three day water fast in there at that mm -hmm. point. And I don't know, I, this, I'd be curious your opinion on this. I, I actually really like the idea. Uh, if you want to experiment with carnivore, go carnivore during that time and then up your weight workout so that you're mm -hmm. trying to build more muscle because you have more testosterone. So use the testosterone that you're already being given in this strange little four-day period. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. Yeah, I, I've actually taught something similar where I'll have them do like one feast day in that period of time. And yeah, yeah I think resistance training is a great idea. That period of time, usually women are very mentally alert. So it's a great time yes. if you've got to get projects done, yep. you know, things like that. Um, typically they need a little bit less sleep during that period of time. Yep. And so yeah. it's a really great time to, if you're timing things out, if you have presentations or whatever it is, uh, that's a really great so period true. of time there. Yeah. I always say, if you want to ask for a raise, time it, time it with your cycle. <laughs> most confident then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're the most confident you're, you know, the, yeah. and, and you talk to any woman that'll say, yeah, there's times that I'm, I'm just talking and the words are coming out really well. And sometimes they're not. And it's, if they start to look at mm. that pattern, it's usually in the manifestation phase. So yeah, interesting. Yeah. And, and weight wise, you could do heavier weights with my Academy members. We've been kind of testing this out. So for women that want to build muscle, which is a big deal for a woman over 40, yeah. because you start to lose muscle, we'll find that little five-day window and really up your weights, move away mm. from cardio. The first part of your mm. cycle, do all the cardio you want, but that manifestation little window, make sure you're upping your weights because you have so mm. much testosterone. It'll help you with building muscles. That's a great idea. I hadn't really thought about it, but I like that. Yeah, we, you know, I, I was trying to figure out why we always look at our workouts on a weekly cycle. I actually right. think women should look at their workouts on a monthly cycle. Mm -hmm. So it's really, it's really fascinating once you start to see how you can map everything to this. Yeah. So, for sure. so after that, then there's another time that all those hormones dip again. And it's about another five day period when you come out of ovulation or manifestation phase. And you can go back into keto. You can go and do a longer fast, no problem. But about, so that's about day 15 to day 18, 19. Mm -hmm. Around day 19, your body's really going to start making progesterone. And that is where you absolutely need to step out of keto. Mm. If you're fat adapted, you could do like 13 hours of fasting. But other than that, I really like people to lean into the squashes and the beans and, and uh, potatoes of all different kinds and lean into yoga at that time. Don't run your marathon. Don't increase your weights. Try to stay really uh, cortisol spike free because mm. progesterone does not want you to spike cortisol. If you spike cortisol in any way, whether it's fasting, working out, life, running a marathon, then you're going to tank your progesterone. Yeah, because progesterone and cortisol have the same precursor, pregnenolone. 
And so right. there's a concept in, in functional medicine called pregnenolone steel, where basically if you have to produce a lot of cortisol, which cortisol is a stress hormone uh, to elevate your blood sugar, if you have to produce a lot of that, you're going to be basically be taking that precursor pregnenolone and shunting it into cortisol. And so you're going to produce a lot less progesterone during that period of time. So you're saying keep stress down, make sure to keep your blood sugar balanced, really prioritize good sleep, yep. um, eat these natural foods. Like for example, wild yam, yam yeah. like naturally has progesterone in it. Yeah. Right. right. So it's a right. progesterone boosting food. Yeah, I when I when I started to look into this, I all of a sudden realized that yams are like the greatest tool mm. for a menopausal woman mm. because not only are they yummy, personally, I think, but yeah. also they are gonna help you build progesterone. And I and I honestly think in this day and age, in this modern world, women need to nurture progesterone more than any other hormone. We mm. we talk so much about estrogen and estrogen dominance. But really, we could come at estrogen dominance from a different angle, and that's by nurturing progesterone. Yeah. So, I really now like are all the root vegetables good progesterone builders? So your beets, your carrots, sweet potatoes, potatoes, right? All those types of root vegetables. Yeah, yeah. squashes, all different Squash. types. Yep. So and and there's a lot of different squashes, just like there's a lot of different sweet potatoes and yams. So mm -hmm. when when we go to the market, I try to not buy the same yam over and over and over again. I'll yeah. get the purple one, the white one. Mm. Same thing with squash. I love butternut squash, but then yeah. I'll throw in acorn and honey nut squash. So I try to keep that variety going, not only for progesterone building, but also it improves diversity of the microbiome. Hmm. That's good. Now you were saying starting around day 19 or day 20, I always thought, cause I've always been teaching kind of the last week. So like day 22, you know, starting there increasing carbs, but you're seeing that starting it a little bit earlier is even yeah. more beneficial. Yeah. Uh, day 21 is when progesterone yeah. should peak. So okay. depending hmm. on how low your progesterone is, I want women doing a couple of days to be able to fuel that. Yeah. If you ran a Dutch test and you know your progesterone's good, then you could probably just start on day 21. But if okay. you ran a Dutch test and your progesterone's really low, then you really want to start a little earlier. That's a really good nuance right there. So understanding yeah. <clears throat> where your levels are based around the Dutch test. And the Dutch test, you're taking that test at a certain time in your cycle too. So that way you're comparing apples to apples with that. Yeah. Again, I'm once I did my own Dutch test, I, it was such a helpful tool. And I started to be able to mm -hmm. time everything because I knew where my hormones were at. So I was able to look at the lifestyle and the fasting and eating that needed to match that. So it's such a beautiful test. Yeah. It really helps you map it out. So, and this is great insight into how to analyze that and, and understand your nutrient timing with it. Hey, I just want to take a quick moment and tell you about my new book, The Fasting Transformation. I am so excited about this book. It is a functional guide to help you burn fat, heal your body, and transform your life with intermittent and extended fasting. Fasting is the most ancient form of natural medicine. And in this book, I take you on a journey to help you understand how fasting improves your blood sugar and your insulin sensitivity, how it shuts down inflammation in your body, optimizes your hormones, turns on fat burning, and helps activate stem cells and deep cellular healing. Guys, you're gonna learn so much from this book. You can check it out, The Fasting Transformation on Amazon or on our webpage, drjockers.net forward slash fasting transformation. So check that out now. You guys are going to love the book. And if you have a chance, leave a review on Amazon. Thanks so much. So let's talk about, we mentioned the progesterone building foods, those, those root vegetables. I think you mentioned beans in there as well. How about estrogen building foods? Yeah. So estrogen building is interesting because you have the positive estrogen building foods that are like the phytoestrogens. And we'll, mm -hmm. we'll talk about that in a minute. You also have estrogen being built by bad activities like, you know, the endocrine disruptors and all the estrogen mimickers right. that are in our. So what I've heard from a lot of women is they go, but I don't want to become estrogen dominant. 
So I just want to point out that building phytoestrogens, building the healthy estrogens is not going to make you estrogen dominant. If anything, it's going to actually do the opposite because hmm. the good estrogen will help with keeping the bad ones at bay. So just a, another nuanced moment that I think I, I've heard a lot of women get concerned about doing things like soybeans. Okay, mm. well, organic non-GMO soybeans can be good for increasing your phytoestrogen levels. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Don't do them a lot, but throw them into the mix. All your flax oils, flax seeds, flax mm -hmm. oil in general is phenomenal. We've even experimented with some of like black cumin oil. We have a product that we like called, uh, are you familiar with Andreas seed oils? The five it's seed oil. Of that. Yeah. Yeah, where they what are, put what, what's in that the five seed oil? Uh, yeah, flax, yeah. sunflower, safflower, coriander, black sesame, cumin, mm -hmm. uh, a little bit of hemp, yeah. and then they cold pressed them and they're organic, so they're non-inflammatory. So I actually have women do it like like supplements. They just mm -hmm. put a little scoopful a couple times a day, especially when they're trying to build estrogen. Those seed oils, the healthy seed oils, can be phenomenal. Yeah, it kind of makes sense. Seeds are like the fertility element of, um, you know, a plant, right? So right. you would think that it would help boost fertility, right? And so right. estrogen building has to do with stirring that follicular phase for boosting fertility. Now, do you recommend estrogen building foods at a particular time, like during that period of time when you're really building up your estrogen yeah. or would you just do those, you know, throughout the whole cycle? Well, again, if you know you're low in the protective ones, you would do it throughout yeah. your whole cycle. But remember that estrogen is going to be at its highest about day 11, 12. So yeah. day nine, you might start upping those, mm. those oils a little bit more. Yeah. If you look at how estrogen pulses, it kind of like mm -hmm. pulses in slowly day one through day 10, you know, about day eight, I should say, it just starts going really fast. And that's when mm. you would want to lean into the more of those oils. Yeah. Really good insight here. Now let's talk about how a ketogenic diet can help improve the menopausal transition. Yeah. I found keto because I was doing paleo and I had yeah. so many hot, hot flashes. And I now look back on it and I'm like, I think I was definitely doing more protein, too much protein. Mm. So I'm sure you've, your listeners know this, but protein's phenomenal and you can do it in excess. So mm -hmm. I was like protein all, all day long. So when I switched over to the ketogenic diet, the hot flashes went away. And uh, the thing about hot flashes that are so interesting is that it's the up and down of estrogen that triggers the hypothalamus to raise its temperature. So mm. you're getting a hot flash because of estrogen being out of control. So when I switched from paleo to keto, that went away. It was phenomenal. Yeah. Cause we know that like insulin surges, which you can get from like, even like a whey protein shake or something like that. Yeah. So insulin surges cause estrogen surges. Yeah. And so we want to keep the insulin really balanced and steady. So when we eat a meal, we see just a nice kind of gradual little rise of insulin, which is normal and healthy, but we don't want these big spikes you know, that, that take place. And, and obviously like if you're under stress, if you're not consuming enough healthy fats, like, you know, that's probably what, what the case was. Cause typically protein keeps insulin stable, but you probably weren't getting enough fats in there. And possibly your body may have been, you may have been consuming certain types of proteins that were causing more of a spike. And that may have helped help balance that out. Yeah. You know, one thing I learned recently, I put a CGM on me. Have you, mm -hmm. I'm sure yeah, surely I've you've done that. worn yeah. one. I put one on a couple of years ago and I saw that protein really spiked my, mm. um, blood, my blood Any sugar. Any type of protein or, or specific types? It was all protein. Wow. Like, really? yeah, but check this mm. out. I, because of all the fasting variations that I've done yeah. recently, I put one on this year and protein actually made my blood sugar go down. Mm. So you've and, obviously healed metabolically. That's right. Yep. It was really interesting. So now I, I will cycle in on protein. Like I do more mm -hmm. of my nature's carbs the week before my cycle, but, and then I will cycle more protein days to mm. help with just building muscle in general is kind of what yeah. I go into. Yeah. So. And in nature, typically your protein is coming with fat, right? So if yeah. you eat, you know, animal food, you're getting fat and protein together, but in our society, you know, we, we can process protein down 
or we can eat like egg whites or something like that. Right. And just really specifically just, just consume protein without really a lot of that fat that helps keep that blood sugar and insulin stable. That's right. That's right. You know, I've actually gotten really nuanced with the protein too. So if you look at the research, it shows that protein every couple of hours, and this is for both men and women, mm -hmm. about 20 grams of protein every two to three hours is the most efficient way to stimulate mTOR. So mm -hmm. when we're yeah. looking at fasting, what we're doing is we're most of the time stimulating autophagy. So you're cleaning that cell out, you're making mm -hmm. it more efficient. Well, when we go to stimulate mTOR, which is the opposite of autophagy, if we do it with very clear cycling of protein, we can actually build more muscle. Combine that with a woman's ovulation cycle, and now you have a 45-year-old woman that can build muscle like nobody's business. Mm. So there's fun little ways we can hack our hormones and hack these different incredible mechanisms in our cells. And protein has a time and place. And if you approach it from a protein cycling point of view, it's really fun to watch how much more you get out of your muscle building mm. workouts. Yeah. It's kind of what I like to do. I like to do like a, <clears throat> now I'm a man. So, so different rules apply, but yeah. I like to do like an 18 hour fast on a daily basis. And then I, I lift weights five days a week and I lift at the end. So like I'll lift weights today around 12 o'clock, break my fast around one o'clock. And then after that I have protein and I usually do usually two big meals, but sometimes I'll have like a third little kind of protein snack, like some Paleo Valley meat sticks or something like oh, that. Oh, I love those. Um, those are great, right? Those so, are my favorite. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, and yeah, I, I noticed just phenomenal results, like keeping yeah. my eating window tight. But when I do eat, really hitting that protein, I, 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 I follow personally a, a higher protein diet. I'm consuming about a gram of protein per pound of body weight, yeah. um, but it's only in a tight window. Right. And right. then I've got that long fasting window to really recycle all those proteins and uh, break down all the damage, the damaged cells and cellular organelles. Yeah. I like working out in a fasted state. So if your listeners are mm -hmm. not working out and it doesn't matter what time of your cycle, yeah. um, you know, if you look at cortisol's pattern, cortisol is the highest two hours after you get up personally. Mm -hmm. And especially for women, I think we should be working out then mm -hmm. because yeah. if you don't use cortisol, you'll store cortisol. And most of the time it gets stored around your belly. So yeah. Yeah. if you work out fasted in the morning. And then when you, when in your recovery meal, you do protein. Now you've done the best of both worlds because you've been stimulated. You've gone in fasted. You're going after those glycogen stores. You're stimulating autophagy, hopefully with your workout and with fasting. And then you're replenishing with mTOR. That's a pretty magical combination for a lean to get that kind of lean muscular look. Mm, yeah, that's good. So you, you work out in the morning when yep. your cortisol is high. Yep. See, I think you can use that cortisol for multiple different things. I definitely think, especially if you deal with blood sugar issues, like high blood sugar in the morning, getting out and like walking to yeah. kind of get some of that can be really good. For me, I use that cortisol for like maximal performance. Like I get my best work done mm -hmm. in the mornings. And then as like, I'm get, getting tired of working, then I work out. That's, that's typically right. how I like to do it. But I used to be a morning workout person too. But yeah, yeah try to use that cortisol for something productive, right? Yeah. <laughs> Don't waste yeah, but it. it and I want to just point out though, this is the difference between men and women because you're getting testosterone every two hours. Mm, and okay. so yep. testosterone can kick in and kind of give you some motivation for yep. women and especially perimenopausal, menopausal women, testosterone's tanking as well. So we got to kind of ride the cortisol mm. wave to get some energy to work out. And, and I hear yep. this a lot with women. I've discovered it in my own self, which is as testosterone goes down, your motivation to work out goes down. And so you got to hold on to anything you can to motivate yeah. yourself to move. Yeah, that makes sense for sure. Now in your book, you also talk about a lot of different types of fasts. And I'd love to dive into that a little bit because yeah. you have a whole yeah. bunch of different types of fasts, like the autophagy fast, things like that. And you experiment with all of these as well with oh, your yeah. group, with your resetter group, and then kind of doing that throughout, um, you know, different phases of the cycle. Lately, I've been talking, I've evolved from uh, even what I wrote in the book and really kind of keeping it simple for people that I feel like there are six fasts and then I'll mm -hmm. kind of throw in some bonus ones that yeah. are a little more fringe and they're all timed. And the way to look at this is the longer you go without food, the more healing mechanisms kick in. And I think that's probably the most important thing for people to realize is that your body heals when you take food out of the equation. 
So 15 hours is 13 to 15 is intermittent fasting. The best study on this for women, I think, is the one done on uh, it was thousands of women. They looked at that after they had gone through uh, chemotherapy for breast cancer, and they found out that if women did as little as 13 hours of intermittent fasting after traditional cancer care, their reoccurrence of that breast cancer was 70% less. 70% less, mm, wow. I just want to point that out, than women who didn't do that. And I, they're even teaching this at Kaiser now. I have a couple of my patients that that's went great. to an, I know, amazing, right? Mm -hmm. So that's magical time. Uh, you get growth hormone then, your inflammation starts to come down, your body's like just getting used to burning fat. So yeah. that's your 13 to 15 hour window. And that's really easy to do. It's really more mindfulness, right? Super because easy. like if you're yeah. staying up late at night and you're, you know, tab might have a tendency to like emotionally eat and binge. Um, yeah. but it's really just mindfulness. You finish dinner, let's say six, seven, eight PM, and then you just don't eat until, you know, seven, eight, nine AM the next day, right? Yeah. Something like that. And you hydrate in the morning. That's what I always tell yeah. people. Hydrate when yeah. you first wake up. So yeah. 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 Good. What's what's interesting about fasting, I'm sure you experienced this as well, is because your body is made to fast, it's not like any other diet you've ever done. So you just are switching the fuel source. And now your body's like over here in fat burning mode and it knows what to do. And the longer you fast, the more it can do. So mm -hmm. what I hear from especially women is there's like a fear, but the fear goes away once you understand the body knows what to do. It's, yeah. I think that is helpful. So um, the next fast that I like to share and is one of my favorite is, the is what I call autophagy fasting. So at 17 hours, the cells will start to kick a, a mechanism called autophagy. I think autophagy got really known as being like detox for the cell, but it's more than that because it, it can't detox man-made chemicals. Mm. It can detox yeah. viruses and bacteria, but really what happens at 17 hours is it starts to clean its act up. Like mm. the cell starts to repair itself, which is so yeah. cool. So, so cool, yeah. right. It's really neat. I even saw some really profound research last October showing that if a virus comes into a cell mm -hmm. that's in a state of autophagy, viruses can't live off their own energy source. So they have yeah. to live off of your energy source. And when you're in autophagy, the virus will die. It can't replicate. Mm. But yeah. if, you're, if you're in sugar burning mode, it can gain energy from that and can start to replicate, which is mind-blowing. So, yeah. so I love autophagy fasting. Then um, 24 hours is all about the gut. The research was done showing that intestinal stem cells will reboot themselves at 24 yeah. hours. So anybody with candida, parasites, SIBO, uh, you know, if you want to repair your microbiome after antibiotics, those kind of things can be incredible. Just throwing 24-hour fasts in. Mm. I recently saw some research on the 24-hour fast that they followed a group of people over four and a half years and met both men and women. And they found that even if they did one 24-hour fast a month over a course of four and a half years, their markers for chronic disease in that four years went away. Yeah, and I'm they, not surprised at all. Yeah. I mean, that's only one a month. One a month. Yeah. Because your body's just regenerating itself at such a high level. Yeah. This is why like one of my goals is to help people get to the point where they can do a one-day fast. And I, I usually say between 20 and 24 hours, somewhere in that range, once a week. Right. Yeah. Where they right. have the ability to do that. Now they may choose not to based on where they're at in their cycle, but you know, that's a, a practice that they can follow, uh, you know, for the rest of their life. Absolutely. I, I think actually we could end chronic disease. Yeah. If people, yeah. if people start, you know, the food industry is so horrific, but that's a slow moving target for us to make changes right. there. True. We can change chronic disease right now by getting people doing once a week of 24 hour fast, even once a yeah. month. But once you train somebody to fast, going 24 hours once a week is not that hard either. Yeah. I mean, it's going to have a huge impact on all your metabolic health scores, right? So, I mean, you're not going to be diabetic if you are doing that on a week-to-week -week basis, right? right? Which cuts down your risk of heart disease, all these other types of issues. You know, it's going to get rid of most autoimmunity because you're getting that autophagy factor. 
Yeah, I've been saying about 95% of chronic disease would go away if everybody would do that. I leave a little bit of room because there are some, you know, strange cases and people that have had tremendous amounts of toxicity built up into their system and things like yeah, that. That's but that's yeah, more the exception, you know? And, um, and so most people, if you really improve your metabolic flexibility and you're able to do this and carry it out over time, uh, you know, just we'll see phenomenal incredible results. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. And then once you go longer, so I've found 36 hours is the one that unsticks weight loss. The science isn't there to show that exactly, but it's just what I've seen in fasting so many, especially women, uh, that when you throw a 36 hour fast in around timed around your cycle appropriately, Mm -hmm. it's that thing that starts to get them losing weight. So I love that. 48 hours is there's great research showing two things. One is uh, it resets your dopamine pathways. Mm. So you actually open up dopamine receptor sites. This is, and you create more new dopamine pathways. And this is crazy important for menopausal women because a lot of menopausal women that I talk to say, I just, I don't experience joy like I used Mm. to experience joy. And so if we can get her to do 48-hour fasts once a month, once every couple of months, now we're resetting those pathways. Um, It's pretty profound. We've also seen uh, anti-aging antioxidants get amplified. And it was all based off the Krebs cycle, Mm -hmm. looking at when somebody was under 48 hours and they were, this group was actually hospitalized. So they did, they took all the variables out so that they just kept them and measured their blood work. And they saw consistently at 48 hours that the Krebs cycle started to spit out more antioxidants that were necessary for slowing the aging process down. Yeah. So cool. Amazing what's happening. (laughs) Yeah. Right. So cool. And then the 72-hour fast is Walter Longo's, you know, beautiful reset yeah. your immunity. I, I look at 72-hour fasting for those that want stem cells. They want to maybe repair a musculoskeletal injury mm-hmm. um, and, and just don't know what to do with their health. Just like throw a 72-hour fast at them. Um, yeah. And those, those are kind of my favorite. Uh, there's dry fasting. There's uh, Walter Longo's fast mimicking. So there's a, not a lot of other styles that I talk about in the book, but those six are my favorite. Yeah, it's so great. It's amazing what happens in the body when we just take away, you know, this constant input, just take stress off the gut. And, you know, it's amazing to think how much of a stressor food is on our body. Obviously we need it, but, uh, but, you know, taking periods of time without it can be just so incredibly healing and it doesn't cost anything, right? It's free. Um, It just really just takes mindfulness and a little bit of willpower and, uh, ideally doing it in a community. I know that's one of the benefits that you offer is you have a great community that helps support. You want to talk about that for a second? Yeah. So one thing I found in my journey is that when you look at, and I write about it in the book, if you look at how hormones work, uh, they work in a hierarchy. So certain hormones will trump other hormones and ironically, or not, you know, surprisingly, let's say, oxytocin is at the top of the hormonal Mm. hierarchy. So oxytocin will keep cortisol under control. If you get your cortisol under control, you'll become more insulin sensitive. And once you become more insulin sensitive, now you have a better opportunity of balancing estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone. So because of that, I was like, okay, well, how do I take the, the principles of fasting and get some more oxytocin? And so community, that's a great yeah. way to get oxytocin. So we built a community of fasters and we fast once once a month. We call it fast training week. And I, I lead different fasts. It's both men and women in the group. And we call it fa- fast training week. And it grew over the last year from like a thousand people to 40,000 people. Wow. all doing yep. this together. It's Amazing. super fun. Yep. So community is important. I, I don't understand why we do health isolated. It doesn't make sense. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Getting that oxytocin boost. And some the other ways to boost up oxytocin would be hugging, right? Um, yep. You know, just giving people hugs, right? Yep. Laughing with people, you know, yep. connecting with people. It's, a, it's our connection hormone. So, yep. and that helps lower cortisol, which again, keeps your stress hormones balanced. And that's super critical. 
I've used the thought of oxytocin to my advantage in several ways. If you know, you come home at the end of the day, if if you don't have enough progesterone, it's mm-hmm. hard to calm yourself down. You know, there's a moment, mm-hmm. and then a lot of women reach for wine or food because they're trying to calm themselves. So I started doing different things like petting my dog and like spending time hanging with my dog. I, I used it to my advantage with my 18-year-old son, where you know, I'll walk in the door and be like, I just need a hug because I need, yeah. you know, I need an oxytocin boost. So when you start to see what oxytocin can do for you. And all the fun ways you can stimulate it, it you know, it gets to be a, a really cool hormone. Now, that's so good. So good to know for sure. Well, Mindy, this has been a wonderful interview. It's been, you know, a lot of great nuances when it comes to fasting. And, you know, I mentioned before the interview, I'm a fasting evangelist, right? My listeners yeah. know that. And so it's always great to speak with another fasting evangelist Yes, and yes. Uh, share our tools and our, our, yeah. our things that we're learning. So it's been really, really good. And guys, the book is The Menopause Reset. If you're watching on YouTube, I've got it right here. Again, short book. I mean, you could literally read this in maybe two hours at, at yeah. most probably. Yeah. And you'll walk away with so many great principles. I mean, she really just gives you, lays it out. Like every single chapter is, uh, you know, a, in fact, once you start reading it, you probably won't want to put it down, right? So yeah, you'll just finish you. it. Give yourself two hours, block it off and just yeah. read the whole thing. You know, um, it's fu- you know, out. it's funny about the book is that it was my followers that were like, can you put down what you mm-hmm. did as I started? So I did. And then I was thinking, well, if you're going to help women, menopausal women who already have a lot of brain fog and struggling, have busy lives. I'm like, I need to make this book straight to the point, short, right. inspiring. So I, I, I put it that way on purpose so that women could devour it and then apply it. Yeah. And that's so good. That's something that I struggle with. I want to give the whole picture, right? So I, know. I, know. <laughs> so I like it. I like it. No, it's so good. So guys, the book is the menopause reset. Definitely check it out. We'll have a link in the show notes and check out uh, Dr. Mindy's podcast as well. The Resetter podcast, her website, drmindypels.com. Check that out as well. And Dr. Mindy, any last words, of inspiration for our audience? Yeah, no. I mean, like I said, when we started, I just so grateful for the work you're doing. Uh, I'm excited to bring you on my podcast and introduce you to my community. I think we need more voices amplifying the power of the human body. And, you know, my last piece of advice is, and your listeners most likely know this, is the body is a miracle. And when you learn how to fast and, t- and for women, when you learn how to fast around your cycle, you'll, you'll be blown away. You'll be blown away at what your body was designed to be. You were not meant to go into depression and not sleep at 50. And if you change your lifestyle, that will change. There it is, folks. Great interview. Thanks, Dr. Mindy. Guys, check out her site, check out her book, and we'll see you on a future podcast. Be blessed, everybody. Well, that's all for this show. And I want to thank you again for spending your valuable time with me today. And if there was something you heard in this interview that you have questions on or you want to dive into deeper, then drjockers.com is the best place to go. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider taking just a quick moment and giving us a great review. Your reviews help us influence more people and transform more lives. And if you took something valuable away from this episode, then please share it with someone in your life you know it can help. We'll see you soon on a future podcast. Be blessed, everybody.